Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. Let us say together a prayer as we hear the word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with great, greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this, but God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. 
Oh, good morning. Uh, before we dive right into our text today, I just want to say a couple thank yous. Um, this morning's message is, uh, I think it's part two of our This Is Us series, and it's This Is Us Needy, today's title. And in that needy word, I, I kind of thought, hey, well, if we're going to talk about how we need each other, maybe I could act like I needed somebody's help. And so I asked people to help me uh, read our passage, and we discussed it for a few weeks leading up to now. So I want to thank those who, who agreed, um, made the time to, to help me with that. Thank you for diving into that adventure with me. But this is us needy. I kind of feel like this might be one of the hardest points of 1 Corinthians for me to accept, because I mean, who wants to be needy, right? Um, you could ask my wife, I actually just really hate to ask for help. I hate it so much that usually I just don't do it at all. Um, I'll be in the room and I'll be trying to accomplish a task that obviously takes more than two hands to accomplish. I'm just kind of struggling away, and she's there waiting for me to ask for help because obviously I need help, and I'm just like, no, 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 I got this. I'll figure it out. You get like your foot up there, and it's like, okay, well, and then she comes over, bails me out, and it, it works. But I just, I just refuse to ask for help. I don't, I don't like to be needy, and I tell myself that it's because I don't like interrupting other people. I don't want to like get in their way or throw them off. But really, there's this kind of this independent streak in me. I saw that really clearly as at Ambrose, <clears throat> doing a group project. And only one prof was so cruel as to make me do a group project. It's just so cruel. Dr. Ho, intro to psychology. I don't know what he was thinking. But I mean, like, really, group project, you have to like, coordinate with somebody else and share the responsibility of your work? And you have to be evaluated for the quality of their work? It's just so complicated. And, Ugh, inconvenient and scary. And you never know, right, Colton, who you're going to get paired with in that group project. I mean, like, who knows? My prof didn't care. He just assigned the project and said, here's your group, and here's the deadline, and those are all you need to know. You just, you've got to do it. At Skyview Church, I think we know a few things about group projects. We are sitting in one of the largest group projects imaginable, in my mind at least. And there is, there is a deadline that CRA set out for us really nicely, like, oh, you can only hold on to those funds for so long. And then there's all these people who have all these gifts to bring together. To, to build it up, but it's kind of complicated getting schedules to fit and different ideas for how this project should go and different priorities, all of that, and it, it's pretty uncomfortable for everybody who's involved, these group projects. And in our text today, we, we read the heart of a church leader whose name is Paul, and he's writing to a congregation to remind them of their group project. And as we read that, we actually find that many of us are listed in the participants of this group project, actually. Last week, Pastor Stu introduced our series. Uh, but it's kind of a This Is Us, which is an exploration of what is the church, as opposed to a really like, nice, trendy TV show. But you know, the titles, they fit really nicely. Um, and he opened with the reality that this, this church in Corinth is... It's called, he, Paul addresses them as those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. 
And that sanctified word gets thrown around in, like mostly in jokes, I feel like. You don't want to lose your sanctification. But, but I, think, I think a good analogy for what it means is it's a lot like the sharp cheddar cheese that my mom had in the fridge one Christmas. And she let me know on no uncertain terms that that sharp cheddar cheese was set apart for a very special purpose and that I should not have eaten it. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, the church, likewise, is, a people of, is the people of God who are set apart for a special purpose. Uh, God set the church aside when he came in the flesh for the forgiveness of sins. And so the word sanctified there means those who are set apart for that special purpose. And but chapter one here, still kind of getting our way in here, right after Paul tells the church that they are the sanctified, he then also tells them that they are called to be saints, which is really interesting because it's kind of like saying, you are the people of God who are set apart for a special purpose, the sanctified. And he says, you are called to be the people who are set apart for God's special purpose the saints. You're, it's at, at once saying this is what is true, and on the other hand saying this is what should be true. That's where the sharp cheddar cheese comes in, because that sharp cheddar cheese was set apart for a very special purpose, and I did not follow that purpose. So just like the cheese ball that my mom had in mind for Christmas, wonderful snack, the church is set apart for a much more wonderful purpose than what Corinth was getting up to. The church is both, because like that sharp cheddar cheese, you can use it for a sacred purpose, or you can just have it, kind of you just slice it and eat it, and it's, it was really tasty. <clears throat> First Corinthians addresses a congregation that God had set apart, and they didn't realize how special the group project was, and they needed to be reminded of the project and the terms they had been given. So. As we read today, we, like I said, we find ourselves in that participant list and we find ourselves reminded of that project. So what is that project? Let's turn to the text. If you want to open your Bible or if you've got it open there, I'm just going to go verse by verse through here. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So, this is 11 chapters after this sanctified and saints introduction, uh, and Paul's covered a lot of ground, a lot of different issues, and he's turning back here to remind the church, they're Christ's church, one body of Christ. Let's continue. For in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, Jamaican, Colombian, Scottish, Chinese, South African, Botswanan, Swedish-Canadian, German-Canadian, British-Canadian. I, I can't exhaust the list of people who are actually gathered in here. If I missed you, I'm sorry, but the point, the point is everyone. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. This is the part where we are reminded that 1 Corinthians addresses us too, because it's everyone who's baptized into Christ, everyone who is filled with his spirit that Paul addresses in this word of God. But it's meant for the first century church in Corinth and the challenges that they were facing in the 50s, that is the, the 050s, not the 1950s. And we are the same church these hundreds and hundreds of years later, not because we have the same language or food or culture, but because we too are being gathered up in Christ as God gathers everything up in Christ. We were baptized into this same single body filled with God's Spirit. 
Continue reading. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Have you ever felt like the foot when you're wondering, do I really belong here? They don't talk like me, or they don't joke like me, or they don't think like me, or work like me. And, and maybe because I'm not like them, I don't, I don't belong here. It's, it's uncomfortable. I'm no, I'm no psychologist or sociologist, which is a scary thing to say when you have both possibly in the room on a given Sunday. But I, I do know instinctively that one of the most comforting things is to be around people who are kind of like me, that you just sort of get each other. And on the flip side, one of the most uncomfortable things is being around people where it's like, okay, that, I think that was a joke, maybe. Like, <laughs> I'm laughing, you're not laughing. Oh, that's not a joke, okay. Oh, it, it, it's uncomfortable being around people where you, you just don't get each other. Which I mean, maybe I might just be inordinately awkward, which means I'm like that all the time. But, <laughs> bear with me, please, through this. Uh, Corinth knew this feeling of awkwardness, probably as well as I do. It was a really well-situated city for commerce because it was on this little tiny land bridge that connected the northern part to the southern part of Greece. If you're as good at geography as me, then that means not very good. Um, maybe this will help. Right in the Mediterranean Sea, you have this, this little thumb of Greece kind of sticking out in the middle of it, and there's the Aegean Sea and the Ionian Sea, and the narrowest part on this is where Corinth was, and there's a little five-kilometer track of land. It's only five kilometers wide between those seas, which means that if you're a merchant trying to get your goods from one place to another, you could sail all the way around the southern part of Greece called Achaia at that time. And a lot like the Apostle Paul did when he was on his way to Rome and journeying around, you could find yourself shipwrecked and losing all of your goods. Or you could land this little bridge, this little land bridge where Corinth was, and just have five kilometers to move your goods into the next sea and off into this other place. So it was like really nice strategic location I was going to make a pipeline joke about how nice it is to move your goods really well. That's enough of a joke for now. It's just, the, the logic is the same. If you, want to, if you want to move your goods from one place to another in a safe and fast manner because you're, you're interested in selling them, then Corinth made a lot of sense. If you're a merchant in Greece, Corinth is great. And so there's money and there's commerce in Corinth because there's all kinds of goods moving through Corinth. And so there's a lot of people who are like, oh, if there's, if there's goods there, there's lots of opportunities for me to make a living. And so you have this big mixture of people gathered there, a lot like you might find in Calgary. There's a lot of people who are like, there's opportunity here to make a living because of a strategic location. Here we are. This congregation knew in Corinth what it was like to be with people who are culturally and ethnically different. So they knew what it was like to feel, I don't belong here, this part of town, or like, I'm not really sure if they belong here. Like, and yet they find themselves gathered by this gospel that Paul preached to them and that Apollos preached to them. And 
They find themselves gathered together and they're all in this one church. Paul writes this analogy of the body to remind them that God has brought them together despite all their difference, maybe even because of all of their differences. Let's keep reading here. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. So this body of Christ is not one because all the members are the same, Paul writes, but it's one because, like the psalm says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Our bodies are created, this kind of like miraculous life is created by God. And the same with the church is brought together, knit together, all these parts that it's like, how do these, how do these possibly fit together? But they do in such a wonderful way. But it's a little awkward, because, I mean, the analogy only goes so far. Sometimes we, we don't feel like we belong. And I don't know if you've had these moments. Maybe, again, I didn't do drugs as a teenager, but there were some days where it's like, you sort of look at your hand, and you just, maybe you just wonder, but you zone out a little bit, and you're kind of like, it's so strange that this is a part of me. It's so strange that, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like, yeah, how, how is it that, that this, this thing is a part of me and that like all of, all of my body is so connected to, to each other? Sometimes we feel like we don't belong. I wonder if there's an analogy there, but it's probably a bit of a stretch. <clears throat> Sometimes we feel like we don't belong, and other times maybe we feel like the other person doesn't belong. And Paul gets that too, because he, he corrects the Corinthians. The eye the cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. I'm not gonna spell out what I think less respectable members are, but I know that if I was missing certain garments, I would be embarrassed right now. Those less respectable members of the body, and yet Paul's making the point not about, okay, this is this kind of part of the body, and this is this kind of part of the body, but there's the kind of divisions that we, we see in the church, the different parts that fit together so wonderfully but so awkwardly sometimes. Um, some of those differences are actually really interesting from a cultural standpoint, and 1 Corinthians is a really interesting book because it gives us so much information as compared to other parts of the, the New Testament for, oh, like, what's going on in, in Corinth? Perhaps it's because it's a longer letter, but there's also just all kinds of um, strife going on, so Paul has lots of problems to write to, which gives us information about what's going on. It's, it's a wonderful peek into the world of the New Testament. Um, but so we, we read that the church was divided by differences in wealth, that some folks were making all kinds of money in, in Corinth, having a good time of business, and some had just traveled there because they needed to make some money. And the church was divided by socioeconomic differences. There are differences in culture, as we've already covered. And there's also loyalty to other teachers. Some, some people were really excited about the teaching that, that Peter had apparently given them, and others 
about this guy named Apollos, and they're like, yeah, 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 I'm with that guy, or I'm with that guy. I don't know if we have any uh, serious Calvinists in the room today, but I, that's what, what it makes me think of, is like we have these, these fights over what, what theologian can we, can we really put all our, all our weight on? Wesley, Calvin, Beza, just, just keep on going. But you have these loyalty camps in the, in the church, or well, I'm following that guy's teaching. And so you got these situations where people in the church are saying, because like maybe the, the rich to the poor, I don't, I don't need you. Or maybe the Apollos people to, uh, to Paul's loyalists, we don't need you guys. And for what it's worth, it seems like spiritual gifts were thrown into the mix here too. Paul's really writing um, to the folks who are speaking in tongues, and the, those guys were really excited about speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, and they were clearly saying, like, we don't, we don't really need the rest of the church. We've, we've got it all figured out. Paul's writing, no, 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 the group project's bigger than, than any of that. So he writes, God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. So God has gathered this church together, and God has made it one. And God has set it apart for this special purpose and joined it together. And, just beca- and not one of us is the same, but that's actually part of the unity. And on a Sunday morning, I feel like we, we can act the same. We sort of smile and shake hands, and we sing the same songs, and that's, that's really cool. But all of us are kind of these wonderfully, fearfully, wonderfully made individuals, members of the body of Christ, with different personalities and different talents and different spiritual gifts. Our passage celebrates that those many gifts can be used for the common good in chapter 12, verse 7. So the, these are the gifts that he lists. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. And Paul's emphasizing, not everybody's gifted the same way. Are all apostles? Well, no, not all are prophets, and not all speak in tongues, and not everybody interprets. But strive for the greater gifts, and I'll show you a still more excellent way. That those two lines, the, the first apostles, and then the, the greater gifts. I think those give us a hint, not to a hierarchy of, well, apostles are in charge and everybody needs to kind of like go in line underneath that. Because as he's mentioned, God has given honor to the inferior members and Jesus celebrated that like, it's not the, those who seize power for themselves that are the greatest, but it's those who, those who serve. Those are the ones who are gonna be the greatest in this kingdom of heaven. And so it's not that the apostles are sort of on top, calling all the shots, and everybody's got to like fall in line. We're, we're used to that kind of leadership. I think it has more to do, it's first apostles by first of, almost not more like a logical priority for what this group project is. So what is this group project? I feel like it's a little bit like blob tag meets show and tell. <laughs> Let me explain that for you, Rich, since, since you thought that was so funny. In blob tag, one person starts as it, everybody's tagging everybody else, and eventually though, as you tag someone, then you have to hold hands, and then you have to run around, tag somebody else, and you have to hold hands, eventually everybody's holding hands. Well, that's great, except that Jesus didn't say play tag, he said 
make disciples of all the nations. And so there's a bit of this show and tell that's like, oh, God came in the flesh and touched humanity and showed his love for us. Now we're going to play tag with that message, saying, all right, we're going to go show and tell you this message. And that's kind of what the spiritual gifts are for, too. The apostles are those who are specifically commissioned by Christ, saying, go in my authority to make disciples. So they, they, it's first apostles because all of it is rooted back into Christ. And second, prophets, because prophets are those who speak on behalf of God, and they speak God's message, which is this, uh, this message of love, that God has come to save, redeem the world from its sin. Third, teachers, because usually the prophets are pretty excited about what they were saying, and sometimes like very, very expressive, and you need someone to be able to kind of like distill that and make sense of it. Because as much as it makes sense to, to some people, you need teachers to kind of explain things. That's all, that's all good on the telling side. There's also this showing side that Jesus says the kingdom of God has come here and now, and so you've got these deeds of power, whether it's miracles being healed, whether it's... Um, kind of words of knowledge, speaking healing into your heart, whether it's even just the hu- kind of the humility to take a, a lower rung in, in a structure to, to forgive each other. All of these are, are gifts of God's spirit saying, hey, this is, this is the kingdom where we can love God with all that we are and we can love our neighbors as ourselves. And he, he makes a way for that to happen. So there's my, there's my blob tag, show and tell. And I think that the healing and the the leading and the helping, those, those practical helps, are as much the show as, as the preaching, teaching, prophesying, is the tell that the kingdom of God has come near. So the whole church is commissioned in all of their ethnicities, in all of their spiritual gifts, in all of their theological stances, to bear witness to this work of God who is gathering up all things in Christ. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1 gathering up all things. So you might feel sometimes like you don't belong here. And it, it's possible that I've even made you feel like you don't belong here. If, if so, I want to say, <laughs> I'm really, I'm sorry. Um, God says that we belong together, even in all of those awkward bits that I've already said, where it's like, yeah, tr- treated, treated people awkwardly, and it, it kind of is awkward getting, getting close to people, and you're going to, I think, I think family is probably one of the best uh, analogies for this. When you get close to people, you're probably going probably gonna to fight. If you're in a group project, you're probably going to fight. Will, will you fight it out? God gives us the resources to do that. So God says that we belong together. What does that mean for us today? There's a few applications that kind of come to mind for me. And I, I think that our passage might as well say <laughs> you, you all belong together because God brought you together, like it or not. It's kind of like saying you don't choose your siblings. We, we share this creator God um, as much as we share parents with some people. Um, maybe even more so than we share. And so when we get close, uh, fights happen. But the project is bigger than our, than our fights and our differences. That's, that's something that I need to hear today as much as I think anyone probably needs to hear. I've got some sort of pending conflicts that I don't know what, uh, what to do with, and kind of holding prayerfully. But the text calls us, like, whatever your beef is with someone, 
God's love is bringing us together, and, it, and that love is still true no matter what you're fighting about. And we can run away all we want, but it'll still be true. God has made us one in Christ, whether or not we're getting along. This love is amazing because God shows us that it actually goes deeper than all of that strife because it's when we are at our absolute worst, at our absolute uh, most opposed to God that God shows us his greatest love for us on the cross. He, he dies at our hands to show us love while we're killing him. It's, it's an amazing act of forgiveness. So if you... If we think <laughs> that we, we've got a beef with somebody that makes it so we, we either don't belong or can't belong here, it seems unlikely. God is bigger than that. So let's press on. My, my funny line for that, the Holy Spirit eats beef for breakfast. Do you think you've got beef? <laughs> Terrible. <clears throat> you got beef, don't quit. Work it out. And no offense to vegans or vegetarians, those who would find that Terrible eating beef. The Lord, he made those cows. (laughs) We are set apart for the special work of reconciling, being reconciled to God. Uh, But we do have to work at it. We we actually need each other is the message here, that despite all of those differences that make it uncomfortable to be together, whether it be, I'm not going to go there, all the differences, um, we can decide today that God is bigger because he is. We can acknowledge that and, and work on it get along. So would we? We have plenty of, of cultural, I don't want to call them barriers, but maybe they are. You could, you could call them cultural barriers where we don't necessarily speak the same first language, even, even in our little congregation, but within the, the wider swath of, of, our, uh, of our city. There's, there's cultural challenges to friendship. There's theological challenges to friendship. Probably got some sinful barriers <laughs> to friendship that we need to, we need to deal with. Uh, but Jesus has broken every dividing wall that has kept us from him in the process of coming to him. In the process of coming to him, we, we find each other at this table, <laughs> kind of, in our case, month by month, in some traditions, week by week, that, okay, we're acknowledging physically God has brought us together. So it's not easy, but if we're one body now, we'll, we'll have to work it out. One of the ways that we're going to explore working it out together and trying to figure out, okay, well, what is, how can we work on this group project that God has given us, this, this blob tag, uh, more and more is come, come the end of this series, we've got a, a spiritual gifts inventory. I think it's going to be somewhat similar to the Strengths Finders inventory that we did. Um, I think it was, it's probably a couple years ago now already, um, but trying to figure out what are our gifts and how do, they, how do we fit together in such a way that um, we can work together towards this Um, this gathering up of all things in Christ that God is doing. We'll take some time. Uh, I think it's in March that we're going to do that inventory, so please just keep your eyes peeled for, or maybe your ears peeled for an announcement for signing up and and getting involved. We'd love to have you. I've got a story about how to, like, how I've seen different people working together as a team, but I don't think it's really necessary. <laughs> so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to turn that page. Um, suffice it to say that 
working together as a group, even the small things that sometimes feel insignificant. In, in my story, it was scrubbing toilets and writing encouragement notes. Even in that, those, those little pieces of, of sharing the gospel over the course of a summer camp, that I just saw how that made a huge difference. Not, not necessarily for me, but like, for me, like having a huge role in that, but that there's this bigger task that when all of us were working together on it, we could accomplish so much more, even when there were only little, little parts of us. Whatever gift God is giving to the church through you today, I hope and pray that we all know that we are needed, that you are needed, and that we can sort out the messy differences kind of along the way as we strive as a church to help people come to know Jesus and to grow in him as mature followers. This morning, we get to celebrate that Christ overcame these barriers by leaving our chairs and coming to Christ's table. And can I invite the servers and musicians to come on up and take your places? At Skyview Church of the Nazarene, we're members of that arm of God's church called Wesleyans, and we practice an open table. God extends his free grace, his help to us, no matter who or how old or where we are. And this is a symbol in which we remember that Christ died and rose again and called us to take up our cross and die, one day to be risen with him. So through this sacrament, we confess our faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Holy Spirit, as we gather at this table to remember Christ, would you come and fill us anew, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood.